Coming up on Transformers University, we're going to dive into the realm of Blackthorn 3D Comics. Three issues, three completely different stories, three stories connected to nothing at all. All right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 123, 123 of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info, the website, the tour archive, this podcast, TFU News and Views podcast, Seven Figures Patreon exclusive podcast, and oh, so much more. And I do want to welcome you to this episode of Transformers University. This one's been a long time in the making, um, and it's actually been a heavily requested episode. I've had uh, several emails come across at info at TFU.info when I do get to check it. Uh, requesting I do this and I was like well I'm getting to it trust me I'm gonna do it and uh, the time finally arrived um, and the other reason this has been a long time in the making is I actually started reading these books uh, it is the middle of April right now as I'm recording this April 2023 um, I, I started reading these comics back in November of 2022 on a flight back from New York we were visiting my wife's family for Thanksgiving and I read the first two and then started on the third and kind of fell asleep uh, on the plane and I, I, I put things aside and then we had other episodes we had to kind of manage here at TFU.info uh, and I, I had to end up rereading all three books <laughs> just for this episode. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Blackthorn Comics uh, 3D Transformers. Now Blackthorn... Uh, was a small independent publisher out of, I believe, San Diego. Discovered by the Germans in 1904, they named it San Diego. Yes, that place uh, <laughs> that uh, was part of that first big comic boom of the late 80s. And looking over what, uh, especially the cross-sell ads in these books, what they did was uh, they appealed a lot to late, late 80s nostalgia and I don't mean nostalgia of the late 80s I mean nostalgia for the people who were in that 20 to 45 year old age range in the late 1980s now you think this is a, a product of the internet generation but it's kind of been going on all along right uh, I always point to uh, the movies that came out when I was in college so when I was in college in the late 90s I was always like why are they remaking the Brady Bunch and Starsky and Hutch and and uh, you know, I'm trying to uh, trying to think of some other movies. The Adams Family. You know, there there are movies that came out in the early and late '90s. You're like, why? And it's to not necessarily appeal to the kids, but also to appeal to their parents and give them something familiar. So this whole thing of nostalgia that we see in the Transformers community and the internet uh, online toy collecting community and just online fandom in general, this is all nothing new. And such, Blackthorn tried to make this their business because if you're going, who wants to read comics about Laurel and Hardy? Well, Blackthorn clearly thought there was a market for people who wanted to read comic books about Laurel and Hardy. And so they published a lot of books and they published a lot of licensed books in these uh, 3D 
uh, space where the books have uh, red and blue color separations. You wear a pair of glasses. You can see it in 3D. I didn't test these out in 3D. I read them on my iPad. But I, I will take uh, their word at for it that, that these books work in some sort of 3D. Uh, they're entirely, uh, I don't want to say black and white because they're red and blue, but they're entirely non-colored books. Uh, there are three issues. First two issues published in, in 1987, uh, as according to the publication dates on the book, and the final book published in March of 88, which was a big gap between two and three. Um, and I wonder, one, how big of that gap really, how big that gap really was, and then two, March of 88 might have meant it was still sold in like December of 87. Uh, but for the purposes of this podcast, yes, I could have saved it for when we get into 1988. I felt it was more important to have all three of these stories together. Why? Because not only are there three separate stories here, as I teased in the intro, um, there are three stories here that don't connect in any way, shape, or form. As you know, comics are serialized. You know, issue one, issue two, issue three. Issue one is its own thing, and then issue two, it starts over, and then issue three, it starts over again. Um, and they're not necessarily connected to anything else in the Transformers universe. Uh, so these stories are all very unique and very, very different. Now we start with issue one. Issue one, written by Tim Tobolsky. Art by T Tim Tobolsky and uh, Bob Versandi, and edited by John Stevenson. And as far as I know, that is not the John Stevenson that voiced Thundercracker and Windcharger in the original cartoon. Now, Tobolsky, he had um, a handful of uh, indie comics uh, and small publisher art credits throughout his career. In 2016, he was diagnosed with stage 4 melanoma, according to his LinkedIn. And according to Facebook, he may have won that battle, uh, having posted there as recently as February 2023. Uh, and he now works uh, at Dollar General in upstate New York. Bob Versandi, sometimes went by Rob with two R's, R-O-B-B, -B, uh, was an advertising uh, art director. He passed away in March of 2022, but he was an avid toy collector. Um, his name appears in a New York Times article from 1994 about a place called Alphaville, a vintage toy store on the lower, lower side of Manhattan. So it's probably somewhere in the village. Um, and the story from 1994 reads a lot like uh, the stories of toy collectors uh, now. Uh, it's about these folks that were buying old, unused toys from the 50s and 60s in this small shop in Lower Manhattan. He, In fact, he opened his own online toy store called Toys Around the Clock. The website still exists. I think it's toysaroundtheclock.com. Uh, but he has since passed, so I don't know how responsive that site will be. Now, this issue is called The Test, and it's going to feature a lot of what... Uh, uh, they call in television parallel storytelling. Uh, it's almost mirrored storytelling uh, for this comic, right? So we feature Ultra Magnus, Fortress Maximus, Blur, Lightspeed, and Searchlight are off to check on this asteroid. And Ultra Magnus hates leaving Hot Rod behind. Hot Rod has a very strange quote in this story and says, At the sign of trouble, Rodimus will pop up and save the day. Um, I'm not sure that, that uh, Tim Tobolsky or... Uh, the editors over at Blackthorn quite understood the relationship between Hot Rod and Rodimus. It almost sounds like treating it like um, like a Prince Adam He-Man kind of situation. Uh, it, it's a strange vibe. I even wrote here in my notes, a weird Prince Adam vibe. Uh, and I hadn't even read that as I was saying it. Um, so the Autobots land on Magnetic South of this asteroid. Up at Magnetic North, 
Scorpinox, Cyclonus, Scourge, Ratbat, and Galvatron are investigating uh, this asteroid as well. We find out Cyclonus is a little bit jealous of Ratbat, and apparently there's a source of Energon on this asteroid. Lightspeed and Cyclonus separately each find the source of the Energon. Uh, they each find this little species of reptile. So we have this parallel storytelling of the Autobots and Decepticons. We find out that Sixshot is on Cybertron, um, developing something, and Hot Rod is making progress with Headmaster technology on his side of Cybertron. And then we find out the secret of these creatures. Do you know what the secret of these creatures is? Can you guess what the secret of these creatures is? I guarantee you did not say what I'm about to say. Ready? One, two, three. They poop Energon. I'm going to say it again. They poop Energon. That is the secret of these creatures. They turn their food into Energon. They don't say they poop Energon, but it's clearly meant that they poop Energon. Now, Searchlight out on patrol finds Scorpionok, and Ratbat out on patrol finds Fortress Maximus. They both get caught, they both get chased, and the story meets in the middle. So now we have a battle in the middle. Meanwhile, the creatures, who are now in the labs of the Autobots and Decepticons separately, uh, they teleport out as the Transformers fight. And we find out the creatures were employed to spy on the Autobots and Decepticons, and they teleport away to their bosses, the Quintessons. The end. Great! This is incredible! We're going to pick this up in issue two, right? In fact, the solicits for issue two in some other Blackthorn comics say the story is going to continue. We're going to find out the secret of Hot Rod and Rodimus. But that would not be the case. Issue two would then be a completely different story. A completely different story arc with a completely different creative team. And we'll talk more about it right after this. Hey, want to help out this podcast or the website tfu.info? There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up is quick and easy. Just swing on by to www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. If you'd like to contribute, go to tfu.info slash help for a list of what we need or send an email to info at tfu.info. tfu.info, the alpha trion and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. So on to issue number two, which doesn't have a title. It's just Transformers in 3D issue two. It's got a really cool cover though. We'll get into that. Um, Story is by Andrea LaFrance. Uh, she did some other work for Blackthorn. Uh, that's about the most I could find on her. Uh, I, I searched around the internet a little bit, and uh, she she may or may not own a soap company now. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on, on exactly who this person was. Uh, art by Dennis Francis. Uh, he was a comics artist. 
Uh, and most interestingly in the world of entertainment, uh, Dennis Francis was the artist for the Frank and Fred segments on Late Night with David Letterman. Uh, these took these were something Dave did regularly in the 80s, and it was kind of like a goofus and galant kind of thing. Like, uh, the smart guy does this, the dumb guy does that. Uh, here's a little clip. This is what I mean. Fred and his wife shop very carefully. He says, gee, I love it too, honey, but we just can't afford it. Frank is also very careful. He says, gee, I love it too, honey, but the clerk is watching. <laughs> And so Dennis Francis was the artist on these little cards that, that David Letterman would hold up uh, while he would tell these jokes. Dennis Francis has an Instagram account, but hasn't posted since 2021. As I mentioned, the cover of this book is so cool. It's got a couple of uh, kids, the kids from the story that we'll hear about, and this really neat all red Ironhide on the cover being attacked by like this uh, snake monster. Um, I really like the cover to this book. I'll make sure I include it in the uh, artwork for, for this, and we'll post it on, on Twitter, at TFU underscore info. Now, as I mentioned, the story has uh, no title and starts with an editor's box uh, telling that this is a tale of bygone days. Bygone days when? Uh, it, at this point in time, right? In the, <laughs> in the cartoon, uh, you know, we're, we are after the movie, so Ironhide should be dead. So it's bygone days prior to that. But Galpatron is in the story, so it can't be the cartoon continuity as we know it. Uh, it could be some comics continuity uh, in alternate Galpatron 2 world in Marvel UK, as we've detailed in previous episodes. I don't know exactly where or when this takes place. But it's a fun story nonetheless. Razorclaw, Ratbat, Galvatron, they kidnap an entire space station full of like these humanoid-like people. Uh, except for five kids who are busy playing uh, and missing like the big get-together. Uh, and since they were playing hooky, they were not kidna kidnapped or taken. Now, I'm going to refer to them as five kids. There's really only two of them that get named. Um, and I, it, in the, uh, the book, the way the art is, it, it's kind of tricky for me to tell which one's which i'm sure tfwiki.net has has a breakdown of who is who uh but these kids are playing uh uh are playing and then find out everyone gets kidnapped and they're planning planning a rescue when cosmos arrives now the kids tell cosmos that they need his help and there's this prism of power the prism knows all but no one has ever seen it but they know where it is it's on the planet andalore Decepticons, they see Cosmos fly away with uh, the kids inside, and they send backup after him. Cosmos uh, runs into an asteroid belt uh, and encounters space vultures in the asteroid belt. He evades them by crashing and getting stuck in an asteroid. Uh, the Decepticons shoot him out and interrogate him and then follow him to Andalore. Cyclonus, Scorponok, Octane, these are the Decepticons we're dealing with. And Cyclonus figures out that they're trying to get the prism uh, to free their people. On Andalore, there's a temple. And Cosmos and the kids, they enter it. The Decepticons follow. And in, as would be in most, you know, treasure-filled temples, a creature's there and it attacks. It rips Octane's head off. Uh, a great piece of art. He pulls him into the water and pulls his head off and throws it. And his severed head says, get the rest of me, please. 
just then, Ironhide arrives to defeat the creature. It turns out uh, Cosmos had radioed out uh, in the asteroid belt for help. I guess Ironhide had heard it, and he shows up. They continue on through the temple, and the bots and the kids meet Grog, Keeper of the Prism. Uh, fun, fun thing with that name, Grog, G-R-O-G-G. Um, that was the name of my uh, second band in high school. Maybe my first band in high school. Uh, yeah, uh, I have the demo tape somewhere. I might even have it digitized. Uh, we did a pretty killer cover of Black Sabbath, Paranoid. And that, <laughs> we were called Grog and the Beer Belly Boys. And uh, so seeing the name Grog in this book brings back a lot of memories. It's in fact all the people that I ended up doing uh, Minus Two Degrees and someone else with. Uh, it's, it's all my oldest and closest friends. So uh, I know they're listening and uh, yeah, maybe I'll dig that up. <laughs> And such, when they meet Grog, Grog will give them the prism, but only if they solve this riddle. The question, what is it that I am describing? It cannot be touched, tasted, seen, or heard. It might not exist at all, except that its strength has laid low the greatest titans. All live under its reign, and eventually, Fleshling, Autobot, and Decepticon will all fall before it. its just hand what is this and so one of the kids uh figures it out uh the answer is time because time is the fire in which we burn and such the kid who answered uh the question is held as collateral for the prism uh they have 48 hours um to return the prism after they defeat the decepticons I'm not sure how that works. Uh, 48 hours on that planet, 48 hours Earth time, 48 hours uh, on the asteroid. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how the hours break down on another planet that's spinning at a different speed than other things in the story. But let's just assume it's in a universal 48 hours. The Autobots arrive, they defeat the Decepticons, they return the prism, the end. That is the end of the second story. Again, wildly fun and entertaining because it's just so kind of different uh octane getting his head ripped off is, is kind of a big highlight for me uh just so weird and, and interesting uh and so different than what we've seen before now on to issue three and this one as i mentioned has a cover date of march of 1988 we're covering it here uh just because it fits in with the other two and i'd rather not do a whole separate episode for just one story right um and i'm pretty sure it came out in 1987 Issue three doesn't follow up where issue two left off, doesn't pick up the story from issue one that was abandoned. It starts a whole new story called The War Against the Destructans, chapter one of three. Great, we got a three-parter. This one written by Alfred Williams and editor John Stevenson. I uh, can't find more about Alfred Williams other than he did a bunch of stuff for Blackthorn. Uh, the artist on this book is Dante Fugit, F-U-G-E-T. I'm going to say it's Fugit. Uh, he went on to work in the gaming industry as an artist. Uh, he worked for Capcom and Sega and Sony. Uh, he was a character concept artist on EverQuest and uh, currently works for a company called Avalon. Inks on this book were by Philip Haxo, another comic book artist and graphic designer, currently lives in San Diego. And letters on this were by someone called Noodles. Who's Noodles? 
uh, I don't know, but digging through TF Wiki's uh, talk section on the Blackthorn stuff, the belief is that it might be Peter Eero, uh, Blackthorn letterer. Uh, he was the letterer for other Blackthorn books, and it would just only make sense that he fit in here. Now, I really like this story. Um, somewhere in space, space, two explorers of the planet and the Gia find uh, these spires. Uh, they're identical. They don't know what these spires are, but uh, the, it turns out these spires are a dimensional gate, uh, and they're a prison holding powerful beings, almost like that like square thing in Superman 2 that's holding Zod and uh, the other two. Like That's what it is, and that's not what it looks like, but that's how it's working. Um, uh, you can't see what it's holding, but the spire is located in an enemy territory uh, of another race called the Kalkar, K-A-L-K-A-R. Uh, the Andagians can hear someone asking to free them. Um, they don't even know if it's a Kalkar trick. Uh, they know there's a truce at the moment. And then the Kalkar, they attack the Andagians. And one gets wounded, and the mysterious voices are offering the other one to help. Destroy the spire, and we will help you. So he does. And uh, in doing that, he unleashes the Destructans back into the universe. And uh, they're organic metal beasts, according to the book. They exist only to destroy. And then we get this amazing splash page showing off the four Destructans. Now, who are the four Destructans? Uh, there is Bruton, who has a weapon called the Confusion Club. There is Medusa, who has uh, beams that she calls Medusa beams. There is the leader, Lord Imperius Delirious. And there is another guy named Psychocon. He has a Psycho Spear. And Psychocon, not... Megadeth's Psychotron, just uh, if you're keeping tabs. And they kill the Calcarians, uh, I guess that's what you would call them. Um, but they also kill the other Andagians, so they wipe out everyone. Uh, and as they're wiping out everyone, one, the Andagian um, hears a message from the, um, the damaged spire, a warning about the Destructans. And he launches it into space. space. And the message, I guess it's on a tape. You can call it a tape. It lands on the planet Tau Ursa. And uh, we meet Monotaurus, who finds the message and eh, just tosses it aside. Uh, the Tau Ursans are, are robotic life forms. Uh, they kind of look like Wally. Um, and they have a device called the Interjon device. It increases the potency of Energon cubes. So. I guess you would be able to get like two or three or four times much out of energon out of one cube. Uh, the Decepticons, they arrive for the device. They they want to take it. Galvatron, Laserbeak, Cyclonus, Scourge, the Sweeps, Six Shot, Slug, Slug Slinger, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, the Decepticons, they take that device. They level the planet. Uh, Galvatron, add that to Galvatron's tally of planets he's destroyed. And Monotaurus uh, knows he has to tell Optimus Prime. Back on Cybertron, Optimus Prime is getting a physical from First Aid and Hoist. Monotaurus arrives and tells the story, tells of the uh, Intijon device, and how it can also decrease Energon. Just then, the Decepticons attack. During the battle, Optimus realizes it's a decoy. Galvatron is attacking elsewhere with his nullification cannon. Uh, this is made from the Intijon device. Optimus catches him, and the Decepticons flee. Galvatron takes Slug Slinger and uses him as a human shield, a robot shield. He basically throws him at Optimus. Optimus punches him so hard that Slug Slinger's arm pretty much comes off and uh, catches himself falling over like this 
pit, bottomless pit, uh, and asks for help because his arm is falling off and he's falling. Optimus helps him, uh, shows him mercy, and the Decepticons escape. Back on Tau Ursa, Hot Rod and Blur, they begin cleaning up the planet. They find and fight Apeface. Apeface says grunk a lot. Like he punctuates his sentences with the phrase grunk. I'm wondering if someone thought crunk, <laughs> his headmaster, was meant for him to be said grunk, grunk, grunk. Uh, but it's, it's very bizarre. Uh, in the process, Apeface finds this tape and Blur steals it from him. On Cybertron, uh, they play back the warning message. Uh, the Destructans exist to destroy everyone else and all life in the universe. Uh, the message is made by the Logicons of planet Metascan Alpha. They have Energon, and they're willing, uh, they're willing to uh, help them. Uh, so you just need to contact the, uh, the Logicons of Metacon Alpha. Uh, they accept PayPal, friends and family only. They don't want to pay the fees, but they do have Energon. Now, Rewind is in this story, and he says that he thought they were myths. Uh, so the Autobots send out two teams, one to find Metascan Alpha and the other, I guess, to find the Destructans. Uh, Hot Rod's leading one team, Ultra Magnus is leading the other. Pounce, the Puma. Now discover the clones, Decepticon clones. Look identical, but one transforms into a Puma, the other into a Hawk. And Wingspan are spying this whole time. And at Decepticon base, Scorponok and Galvatron, uh, they argue like they do at the end of season four of the cartoon series. And Scorponok lays down the law that he is now the leader of Decepticons. Ultra Magnus' team, uh, they're searching in space. Space! Uh, and that team is consistent of Ultra Magnus Cup and the Monster Bots. And they get attacked by Cyclonus and the Terracons. Uh, there's a battle in the distance where Ultra Magnus and company need to go. They get attacked by Cyclonus and the Terracons. As they're fleeing, they see a battle in, their di in the distance, and Ultra Magnus and company know, know that that's where they need to get to. Skylinks flies them there, and they find the Destructans. We find out that Cup and Psychospear are old enemies. Uh, the Autobots are losing to Destructans badly and flee to Skylinks. Cup stays behind to hold them off, and we're going to presume he dies. On Cybertron, the Autobots launch a counterattack to destroy the nullification cannon. Optimus fights Galvatron, destroys the cannon. Skylinks, back on uh, the other planet, is out of Energon, and the Autobots are forced to land. Meanwhile, the Decepticons are getting their butts handed to them by the Destructants. Ultra Magnus goes to help the Decepticons and offers a truce for the Autobots and Decepticons to join forces. Decepticons need... Uh, you know, other soldiers, and the Autobots need Energon. And so they end on a truce. To be continued. Next issue, Union of the Transformers. That's the title of the issue. I can't wait to read issue four, but Blackthorn would go out of business. And so issues four and five, the, uh, the next two parts of this story would never see the light of day. Don't know if they exist somewhere in some written form. Um, you know, it'd be fun to maybe try to find out who this uh, Alfred Miller or John Stevenson were. Um, I imagine they were older, especially John Stevenson as, as editor. Um, they may not be around <laughs> anymore. Um, to find out if these stories and these storylines uh, existed beyond this. Uh, I find the Destructans really interesting, fun, evil characters that we don't necessarily see uh, in Transformers anymore. They're not Decepticons. They're not even 
Transformers, not even Cybertronians, but they are a formidable force to be reckoned with. Uh, the splash page in this book where they appear is uh, super cool. It is, I, you know what, I will probably use part of that as the artwork for this episode as well, uh, because that, that, um, that artwork of those guys is really, really neat. Um, and that's it. So, you know, what's fun about this is that I got to experience three stories that I really never um, experienced before. And in doing so, I uh, kind of got to enjoy a whole new part of the fandom without actually, like, you know, buying a new toy or spending money or anything like that. Like, And as we're waiting for new comics, there's, you know, a whole world, a whole plethora of stuff that uh, you and I and uh, most fans have not experienced. And so I implore you to search these out. I don't know uh, if they're hard to come by on eBay. I have a feeling they are. But I will say uh, there are certainly scans of lost media out there uh, that you could probably hunt these ones down. And so that is why I am so excited about this episode. Uh, I got to experience three stories I hadn't done before. That was the whole point of me doing this podcast in this format is to you know delve into things I, I have never experienced before. And I got to say, um, as far as 1987, we've kind of hit some spots here where um, I don't know if the things I haven't experienced have piqued my interest in the same way these three stories have. Um, part of me hopes to see like these characters appear elsewhere, and I kind of did a little digging on TF Wiki, and um, a lot of some of the stuff appears in passing, uh, planet names and mentions of things. Uh, it'd be great to see some Transformer creative uh, take this on as part of official fiction somewhere down the line. Thanks for listening to the show. Stick around to hear what's coming up next episode. But first, I want to fill you in on a few ways you can stay in touch with the show. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. Next time on the show, we're going back to Japan. Japan. And we're going to do a couple more episodes of Transformers Headmasters. I don't have my uh, list in front of me, so I don't know exactly which episodes I'm covering or what they're about. But hey, it'll be a surprise to you, too. So, with that... I want to thank you for joining the show. Thank you for joining the podcast. I want to thank you for being so supportive of me, the site, the Twitter account, the social media, the YouTube, everything. I could not do it without you. Could not do it without all the positive encouragement and feedback from all of you. So if you like this episode, drop me a line. If uh, you're on the Patreon, drop me a line. Uh, if, If you catch me on Twitter and you catch this post on Twitter, reply to it. Tell me what you liked about the episode. Tell me what you found fun. Uh, Let's spread the word. Let's spread the love. I want people to hear this episode because this is a piece of Transformers fiction uh, that is probably criminally ignored. There's some really cool concepts in all three of these books, and I I think it would be a lot of fun uh, if more people knew about them. So with that, I'm going to wrap things up. Once again, I am Anthony Percali, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. Until next time, see ya.